I'm the type of person, if you ask me a question and I don't know the answer, I'm going to tell you that I don't know. But I bet you what? I know how to find the answer, and I will find the answer. All right, Eve McCordia, that is, of course, Irish for a very warm welcome, my friends, to Shamrocks and Shanks, and another episode where we get to learn from some of the best professionals in the golf world. Now, my guest for this episode, in fact, the first returning guest on the podcast, is my good friend, Doug Laurie. Doug is one of the premier junior golf coaches in the country. In recent seasons, he's won numerous awards, including the PJ of Ontario Coach of the Year in 2022, as well as indeed his players receiving numerous accolades season upon season, with many now pursuing successful college scholarships in the States. To start this podcast, we chat about some junior perceptions which Doug sees when working with his own players. We discuss some of the tendencies of the club golfer in working on their own games, and we chat about the fast approaching winter season here in Canada, and what are some drills and tips that those same club players can work on in that time period and those ever-changing indoor environments. In the coaching section, we look at the areas Doug has developed from an educational perspective for himself over the last few years, including speed and other areas, and what really piques his interest moving forward from that same educational perspective. We discuss some of the challenges that we might face when coaching junior players and how to team you up with other coaches to not only help your own player but also your own knowledge in the long term could be a great idea. We also look at the process of assisting your players when they graduate to college or university and how you can help them in the best possible way not only from a lifestyle but also from an actual golf game perspective. Now there are many coaches that I encounter either through my education or indeed with this podcast and it's always interesting to see their skills and their passions and how they discuss both. I think when I look at junior coaching, in my opinion, it takes something else to be successful. Yes, you need to care about your players, I think we all do that, and yes, you want performance or results at the end of the day, but I believe when it comes to the best coaches, there's an investment beyond those measurements. There's an unquantifiable commitment to the education and the development of the young person that has been entrusted to you. That education and development, like the young person themselves, is always ever-changing and challenging, but that really is the role. I think Doug Laurie not only accepts that role as part of his profession, but is welcoming of the opportunity to not only help create great golfers, but to also be a part of creating great human beings. Ladies and gentlemen, Doug Laurie. All right, Doug Laurie. Oh, man, this is this is a little surreal. The first guest returns. Yeah, right? so it's wow. Part, part two. Part two. Um, so honored. So honored. I know. I mean, thank, ooh, thank you so much for, for coming back on, for making the time. I know you're, you know, I know you're busy um, in terms of what you're doing, and so much has happened with you in the last couple of years. Um, you know, the the 2022 PGA Ontario Coach of the Year. Um, so many of your juniors now this season, kind of going off to college or university. Um, so it's kind of going from from an outside perspective. Definitely, the coaching for you is is going from and and the career in coaching is going from strength to strength. Would that be accurate? How's the last couple of years been? Maybe let us oh, all man. in on, on how the trip has been for you. Well, the trip has been almost surreal. Uh, I mean, when we did our the first Shamrocks and Shanks, I mean, it was like, it was like, you know, COVID and all this stuff. And you and I had just kind of, kind of really started to get to know each other and stuff. And since then, mm -hmm. I mean, you've been a staple on our March break trips, which is fantastic. You come down and, and I mean, work with my, uh, all the kids that are there at camp and uh, they, they just love you, which is just an added bonus coaches don't be afraid to bring a rock star to your camps to help you along it's a really good idea anyways we can always talk about that but and, and the flip the side coaches don't be afraid to go either you'll learn yeah a there's a great point yeah don't yeah. be afraid to go 
Don't be afraid yeah. to grow. I mean, I think we could do a whole pod just on how that's worked, right? I mean, that's oh, yeah. that's that literally was it has been fantastic. Um, the last two years have been amazing. Uh, you know, two two and a half years. You know, um, let me go back a little bit. 2019, when I left Credit Valley, and I wasn't really sure what was going on, and mm-hmm. and landed at Trafalgar uh, with Gulf North, and um, you know, it was a great run because I was able to get one of the guys that worked with at Credit Valley as the head pro. And so, you know, he really gave me a lot of autonomy, like just let me do my thing. And, and it was fantastic because some really interesting things happened. Um, and it's really, there, there's, there's two stories. Um, mm-hmm. The first one is Luke Smith and Luke, I'm uh, just to preface this, Luke just won the, uh, you know, uh, golf Ontario U19 this year. He qualified for the U S amateur uh, played in Colorado. He also was in the second round of the U S open qualifier. And we got to play with Henry Higgs and Michael block. It was insane this year because I got to caddy. But if we go back to when he was in grade eight, graduating grade, going into grade nine, and he went to qualify for the, um, the U19 and missed it. And he was so down because he really wanted to qualify for the, uh, the U19. And I said, you know what, something's going to happen. Well, what happened was his dad accidentally registered him for an open AJGA in the, at the time when the U19 was being played. So I remember being at the, at, I think at the U19 or something with Eric and Ryan Zhao and Luke was down there, you know, in the qualifier, had to finish in the top five to get in and finish second or third. And it's like, wow, he played really great. Well, turns out in the tournament, the open, this AJG open, he's standing on the 11th hole in the final round tied for the lead with a guy who's committed to Penn State. And this is like, he's turning 14 and Mm -hmm. this guy's already going to school and he lost by two but he got exempt status for the AJGA and that just absolutely jettisoned him onto a pathway to where now this year he had such great success. And we just went over his roadmap um, of uh, his windowpane exercise from last year. And he achieved so many things that he had wanted to do. And the really cool part was he was named to team Canada's national team, which is the best part uh, for him. And so he now joins his best buddy, Eric Zhao, who has in his own right um, risen the junior ranks um, like on a rocket from the time he was 13 and a bright eyed kid finishing second in the juvenile at Canadian junior and then making the national squad as a 13 year old coming in second at selection camp. Like he he's just proven and continuously proven to be a player to watch uh, despite his diminutive size, you know, being five, five and, you know, you know, growing a little bit, but he's gotten a lot stronger. And it's been really wild because the two of them are best buddies. And, yeah. and the great part is they, 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 they push each other. And, you know, I've taken them down to, uh, down to Texas um, and trained with them. And, and the really great part about it is helping them, you know, find their way in this game of golf is not, it, I find it's way more than X's and O's. Um, and it's so much more than just, um, winning tournaments, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's, it's navigating the recruiting process. I mean, at the U S junior this year and Eric's playing, he had 12 coaches following him, Stanford, Oklahoma state, uh, California, Notre Dame, Northwestern, North, um, North Carolina, uh, Oklahoma. Like I was just like standing there watching this and I'm like, I don't even know how these kids could pull the, pull the club back. 
And 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 the same thing with Luke is we're standing at the at the U.S. Open qualifier at Lambton Golf Club this this summer, and you know we're standing there with Harry Higgs and Michael Block, and Michael Block at that time is the hottest thing since sliced bread. We've got a hundred people following us, and Luke hits it right down the middle, and it's like he 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 honestly and truly didn't miss much. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting here as a you know he's 15, and I'm like, this is amazing, and and to have played a role in this is is so cool like i mean Mm. there's so much more than just the um just the 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 fact that they're really good players um the relationships i have with them are are second to none i'm I'm like a uh, an adopted father um and uh i mean if you want to test your patience travel with your juniors and see how that goes (laughs) (laughs) let's not go there too soon Um, yeah let's not go there too soon right exactly right yeah, um, so no, it, I mean, th- yeah. that's just two examples. Now, I mean, I've got for sure. you know, a couple other players. Like, you know, it's, it's pretty neat when your your longest student, Alexa Ouellette, or Alex Long, for instance, who have coached since they were both seven, both have both commit in the same year. And one's going to Texas A&M and Alex Long, and, and Alexa's going to Northern Illinois. And it's just like, wow, how fast yeah, we you, got here. Yeah, you have Maddie Lyons down in Oh, yeah, down, and then, you know, Longwood. the guys who have gone off to school, yeah. right? it's like managing them. The really cool part, I did actually a little um, stat here. So of all the kids that went to school and I had five go to school this year, um, they all broke into the starting lineup and played in two events minimum um, in their freshman year, which I think when you're going to division one and, 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 you know, schools like this and you're making an indelible, you know, you're making the, the squad. It's, it's a testament to how hard these kids work. Uh, and, yeah. and it's very much a very, uh, there's a pretty cool, joyous, uh, you know, feeling that you've helped them uh, do that. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I think, you know, it, it must be underpinned how tough that is to get into those teams and how competitive those teams are to even get a start. So it's it's tricky. It's a good achievement. Um, if we kind of just started along the lines of what we normally do in this podcast, the first section being how do we help players? Or we always like to start with like misconceptions or misunderstandings. With your prowess or expertise, I thought I'd put a bit of a twist on that. And instead of asking you about your club players and what you feel they might misunderstand or have kind of, you know, wrong conceptions about, I want to go juniors. So with your success, you would you would obviously, um, I imagine, get a lot of new juniors, new students coming to you from time to time. What's one of the misconceptions or the misunderstandings that you see from those juniors when they arrive and when they start talking to you about their game or how they think about the game? That's a great question because I just had that happen this week with a new mm-hmm. player. I I think what shocks me the most is if I get a new player, the lack of real understanding that they have about themselves in their game, mm-hmm. because whoever they've previously worked with. And, and I think this is, this falls directly on the coach is if you're, if you're working with high performance juniors, right. Players that mm-hmm. want to get better and are competing, you have to be, there's so much information sitting there on your phone, on the computer, like, you know, you have to be constantly um, updating yourself. You have to be relevant and you have to have an understanding of how to communicate that, what that relevancy is to those players. And that comes from being very active in their 
development. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing that, that surprises me time and time again is the lack of detail that I get from, you know, a player that comes in that like, if you look at it and you, you just watch and observe and you chunk the pieces together, you can see exactly where it's all, how it all plays out. And you're sitting there. And, I mean, maybe that's just my, maybe that's just me, but I look at it and I go, you've been, you know, doing this for a while. How is this not been addressed? And, and invariably I can, I can turn it around in a very short period of time because I, I think my compartmentalization of, Hey, there, there's a word, uh, a compartmentalization of, of being able to, to see where the starting point is and how to fix what ails them um, really does lend it to laying out the roadmap so they can actually see it. And I think it's really a matter of these kids come to me with no idea where they're, where they're going. They just think their swing is where it is or their game and they don't understand why their game isn't where it is. And, and I think that's part of the whole blueprint roadmap system that I've developed that really helps settle them. I would say it's, it's a, it's a sense of ease Mm -hmm. because, because I'm showing them the, the, and getting them to understand why. And, 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 it's tricky, right? Because you, you, you know, they may have relations with the people they've worked with in the past, and all that stuff. And you're not trying to discount them because this person's tried, they've done their point. But the one thing I just noticed is, is like, is with all the information sitting out there nowadays, how you're not as relevant as you possibly can be for free. You don't need to sign up and take things. There's so much information out there. Mm-hmm. How are you not? like why are they leaving? I guess that would be a really good question. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a golf coach and I'm, I'm very good at what I do, but I'm not the like Dalai Lama. Yeah. Right. It's like, why does a student want to leave and fu- and, and move or, or, or try to come to me? What, what is the, what is going on? Yeah. Like, what's could... the problem? What's the real reason? Mm-hmm. And you could look at the instance where, for example, that player hasn't had coaching before and, you know, hasn't been around, you know, let's say a coach's knowledge. And they've been very open or kind of, you know, influenced by what they see around them. Social media, all that content that you're talking about, all that information can sometimes blindside a student. And they nearly have too much when you look at those junior players. Um, if we moved on to the club player. And I know you've been around a lot of club players where you teach on the range, you kind of see what's going on in the background. What could the average club player, if you were to give them one thing today, one piece of advice, what can they do right now if they started tomorrow that can help their own game? And is it something similar to what you're talking about there? Is it having more of an awareness of what you do right now and then moving that forward? Or is there something else that kind of jumps out to you? you go, oh, if, if, if every club player just had a look at this or maybe did this a little bit more, it might be it might be very interesting what they find out about their own game. Great question. Um, I think the club player um, is faced with a couple things um, because the good club players manage this well, mm-hmm. but the club player that wants to get better um, doesn't approach it like uh, going to the gym or working with a the trainer. They kind of look at it like I'll take a lesson and that should fix me. Um, and, and I really think the, 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 if a, if a club player could, uh, dedicate time to 
practicing and understanding the process of change um, and how that sh- would affect their, the, the outcome. Uh, that would be the biggest, biggest change. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, I don't think, I don't think enough club players take a putting lesson. Uh, I think they would rather buy a putter than take a putting lesson uh, and literally understand the concept, concept of putting. Um, and for that matter, um, you know, they'd rather just work on, you know, oh, I want, if I drive it better, I'll, I'll play better. But if you actually learn how to chip and putt and, uh, and understand the concepts of that, uh, you would definitely lower your scores faster. And especially if you are a better club player who may be missing four or five greens a, a, a round, but you can get it up and down four or five times now, that's going to be a game changer to your, to your ability. Typically you get those guys who, you know, it's all about time. And do they have the time to practice what they got to practice? So yes. that's kind of where I think about it. So it's, it's a bit of time management and a bit of understanding what is exactly you want to, you want to change to make you that better player. Yes, the, the the focus and, and again, kind of very nicely complementing what you talked about earlier with the junior players, the planning of the, the mm-hmm. how are we going to approach this? How do we get better at this game? And it's not a simple, I'm going to go get a lesson and whatever I'm told, the information on its own should cure me. It's not it's not an information exam when you go to play. It's a, it's a physical test for, you know, for most part and mental test as well. We know that. But if you want to change your golf swing, you have to physically change what you're doing. And, and that takes application. So I think it's very important. Oh, it does. As, as we move towards, and in Canada, we're moving towards the, the off season, the winter season. And the popularization of indoor training has become very, very exaggerated now with COVID and what happened. When you look at, or if you had a player come to you and ask about indoor training and, and kind of working in an indoor facility, does the change, does that change? Does that how they practice, how they work on things change from the summer, the outdoor to the indoor? Or is it the same? Or is there any piece of advice you give or even drills or tasks that you like to kind of get your players to do in the winter? Well, the winter, you often used to think that, I've used a stoplight analogy, right? Like when do you stop giving information so the player can, you know, compete? When mm-hmm. do you kind of manage it in the yellow and right, you know, kind of like, you know, supplement or change some things and then where's the green light right when is it go time to make changes and wholesale changes and with with my players playing all year round like i mean all the time you know it's it's very important that you you get them to understand that okay this is going to be a change a moment of change and we're going to struggle um but the the really interesting thing with the indoors thing is that most of these, I think what COVID did is it really got the parents to, if the, my kid wants to play this game of golf, they're going to convert something and make it, uh, make it available for them yes. so they yeah. can constantly swing. When that happens, um, it's, it's kind of like when I'm doing their window pane, I, there's, there's a spot called, I call system. And it's like, what, because you don't rise to your goals, you fall to the level of your system, right? And, and what is your system in place over the winter to help you achieve these changes? right? What do you have? And you have to investigate with them. Okay. So do you have an indoor space to swing? Yes. How many times a week do you think you need to do this? Okay. It's this, you know, the more yet you put in this and, and the really interesting thing is I just had uh, a great conversation with Sarah Yang. Uh, Cause I gave her a task last week, one task. And I said, you can only hit your nine iron. And she only went and hit her nine iron and worked on this mm-hmm. task. And then we were able to add another layer. And, and, you know, I've been working with Sarah since she was 11 and she's now 16. And it's like, you know, there's still things that you layers you have to add, 
but it's understanding that now is the time where there's a it's 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 being a little bit more methodical and mm-hmm. logical and not trying to like not trying to give them information when they're in the middle of competitive season and you're worrying whether or not it's going to mess them up. Yeah. Now you can now you can essentially mess them up and help them understand that why they need to get better. Yeah, I, I think when I look at it, it's definitely nearly we default to it being an opportunity to make wholesale changes. And mm-hmm. when we look at how players might do that, the club golfer, they have to be careful too that you know what they work on and where the focus goes. Um, for me, when I look at players indoors, it definitely there's an opportunity to analyze more of how they move as opposed to the golf shots, which can provide opportunities, but can provide other things. So when you're looking at drills or tasks, is there any kind of nice drill or nice task that you would say, hey, club golfer, if you go work, I remember Carl Morris being on the show talking very much about one thing would be lovely. If you if you got more centered strike, let's say, and that was the only thing you focused on for the rest of your golf career, it would probably be really good. Is there any one drill or any task that you like to see or that you would recommend the club player if they have the facility, if they have the ability to work out and work on their golf swing? Well, that's a great question because being that most golfers are also different. Um, <laughs> you know what? I, I actually think it's understanding how your how your body moves. Um, I think if if they if they were to swing a golf club without a ball, and they imagined they were doing it in you know, like a tai chi type environment in mm-hmm. terms of pace, I I I really think. It would, it would help them understand their balance, how their pressures move, what moves, what moves really easily and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. And, and the club golfer, you know, might be suffering from some things that are tight, might be suffering from things that are, don't move as well. Yeah. But what it does is, is it gets you to understand your limitations and it also allows you to say, Hey, this is what I got to feel right? And how this golf swing moves the most efficiently. Because I I just think that's, that's probably the easiest way for someone to, to work on a golf swing, and not really worrying about so it's more of a, I would say that would more not a technical thing, more a tactical thing, more like, you know, they're, they're just working on trying to feel these things. And, and maybe I might have them do it in their, in their sock feet. Yeah, absolutely. So some different ways to get them to, I mean, when we did that seminar with Mark Bull, I mean, I learned, I gleaned so much out of it in terms of how they're moving and what are their eyes doing? What are they looking? What are they feeling? And, you know, how does their body move in terms of with breathing, right? If we change their breathing. So if they're moving in a slower Tai Chi kind of manner, manner, do things move easier because they're moving softer and and they're breathing easier. They're not like, (laughs) I'm going to hit this and take their breath in. Right. And it cuts off the, their, their ability to turn. So I don't know. I, I kind of always like that. Yeah. It's, it's, as I said, definitely this opportunity for exploration, let's say indoors, yes. because you're really removing for, for much, for much of the context, you're removing the big thing within the summer, which is competitive play and you have a golf ball in front of you, you know, there's still that application is in indoor kind of leagues and so forth. But for the most part, you have this opportunity to really focus a little bit more externally, a little bit more on other things and really develop it. And I, I love what you've said there. I think it really is that it's an opportunity for you to explore how you move yourself and, and create some nice awareness and even doing some nice breathing exercises, some nice meditation pre kind of your indoor sessions might be a nice way to kind of you to really, really kind of get into more 
we get so caught up in the superficial and the, the aesthetics and what the outside looks like. And we forget, well, it's more of a kind of an inner game sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. If we moved on to the coaches section, and I know you kind of delved into this at the start in, in talking about your young players and how well they've done this year. We referenced that you, you won that award, the PGA of Ontario Coach of the Year in 2022. And it, it's definitely been a, a nice ascension from there on out. Not that you weren't doing that beforehand. But I'd be really interested to know for you, what are the coolest concepts or developments that you've experienced yourself in your own coaching as you've developed as a coach over the last two years? What are the really interesting things that you've come across? You mentioned Mark Bull there, who we know is fantastic. You know, and you could definitely talk about that again if you would so wish. Or is there anything else that you've come across as you've developed, as you push forward, as your players have eventually developed too, that you've been exposed to? So um, two years ago, I I was introduced to uh, this gentleman by the name of Dr. Carm Felice in Toronto. Um, he is the owner operator of this place called the Performance Lab, okay. um, and 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 Carm is is really helped me understand how they they built this twelve camera system that evaluates your movement, and they use it with baseball, tennis, golf. Um, so the really cool thing is it's like gears where you go in and become the, the cartoon character, but it's, mm-hmm. it shows, they also use a force plate, like an actual, you know, industrial force plate, not a mat. And they, they get you to do some things to evaluate, you know, how are you moving? And I think, I think for me, my education on how the body's moving has been the number one thing that I've, I've really paid attention to in terms of, you know, I, I mean, somebody I love to follow on, on Instagram just because I love how he moves and I've had a chance to listen to him talk at Swing Catalyst booth at the PGA show is Drew Cooper. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like he's I, I just I love how he he's so simplistic in his movements and, and is such a beast. And I mean, he's a massive individual, but I mean, it's just super nice guy, father of four, I think, or three. And and, you know, just smashes the golf ball, but makes it look like it's like a symphony. And 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 so, you know, just. I think that's had the biggest effect on me and working with Carm and getting my players in and getting evaluated. Like you'll appreciate this as um, I had uh, about eight of them evaluated on the force plate. And, you know, I had one most athletic, but the least body aware. So he didn't understand. He couldn't feel when he had to do this exercise of taking 30% off and 70% on his other on one foot, right? Like he had very little body awareness but he was the most athletic, the least athletic guy, um, uh, moved in straight lines, had hardly any rotational, but the King, yes, the King, (laughs) you know, it is, but, but he had the most body awareness, which is really crazy. Mm -hmm. And then I had this, this young girl who was 12 at the time, who's a wild card. Right. And she had just really started getting into competitive golf. And, and Carm said, this girl is, your wild card. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, just watch as you work with her. She's going to do some things that you hear. That's just going to be crazy. And I mean, this, 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 this young girl, she swings it almost at hundred miles an hour now. And she's, you know, she's 13. She's in grade eight and she absolutely kills it. And, and, and she literally, you know, is, is really like that a wild card. She's just really blossomed through her peak height velocity growth. And, and it's like, she just wants more. And it, it, so, so what this has taught me is, is like getting, getting the proper understanding of how these kids move is just an extra 
piece in your in your arsenal to be able to m- help them be the best they can can be. And uh, I'll I'll just bring in. I had Eric do this, um, and this was kind of interesting because you look at Eric, and you wonder why he's so good. And I mean, um, and Karm said to me, he goes, "Well, he's kind of he's perfect." I said, "What do you mean he's perfect? I mean, no, he's perfect, right?" And he goes, "No, no, no. His his nervous system in a fifteen year old boy, okay, his nervous system is working in perfect order." And what he was trying to explain to me is that he was the most mobile, stable, and 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 um, I think he said strong and flexible. That he he there was no like he had the most balance, the most awareness, the most you know he could do everything, and it was all in perfect working like sequence. And the really interesting part about that is, is it kind of makes why when I, he is literally like, I can, we can talk a concept and he can literally do it right away. And I'll, and I'll lead to this example. I brought in Ken Long, who competes on the world on drive um, uh, circuit. And Ken's a great guy. Um, and, and a member at my gym and we were talking and he's great with young people. So he came, came in to work with Eric because Eric was like, you know, wanting to get a little longer, right? Cause he's only five, five and he wanted to see how he could get longer. So he was trying to make the club go faster. He was trying to swing the club head faster and it was causing his, his he was creating too much lag and he was blocking it and head was going back a lot. So Ken came in and, and inside 25 minutes, Eric was cruising at 107 to start with and he was up at 111. And, and, and the really interesting thing is, is to watch Eric listen, digest, and then apply and do in such a short period of time really answers my questions about why he is as good as he is and why he's continuously getting better. He's, he can adapt. He can, he can take it in, you know, and he instantly applies it. And the really interesting thing he went up to, he got up to one twelve point eight was his fastest, but the interesting thing was his path and his, his path and his face numbers and swing direction weren't changing so much. He was hitting them pretty straight. Mm-hmm. And, and he was trying to go as hard as he possibly could, but he wasn't swinging the club hard. He was turning his body kind of like how you would throw a medicine ball and, and, and really turning into it. And it was really a cool concept. And I sat back and just watched the two work and, and I picked up a lot on that. And, and, and it, it really just showed me like as a, as a golfer and an athlete, there's a certain part of you that, that has to be able to put down what you pick up. Um, some take it longer and, and, and one of the things I try to get that across to all my players is it's going to take your time because it's your game and it's your way. It's not what everybody else is doing. And you said something a little while ago about how kids look on you, you know, they can look on Instagram, all this stuff, and they really like what this swing looks like, mm-hmm. but does it work the proper, you know, the, the right way for them? Um, and, and I remember the author Trevor Moad uh, listed five things. Um, that you should should do, and uh, and one of them was um, stop watching TV, Instagram, uh, YouTube, and listen to one voice, right? Like only listen to one voice. Stop listening to multiple voices because mm-hmm. that only detracts from you. And and Brett McCabe says the same thing. You know, you have all these 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 kids who want it now, but they if they don't get it from the person that they're with, they're going to try and find it from somebody else, right? True. And, and I've talked to other coaches, Gareth or Flesky, all this stuff. Stick with who got you, to, brought you to the dance, right? Mm-hmm. Don't leave with somebody else. Leave with the person that brought you to the dance because they're getting you to the dance because that's how you got there. 
And it's really, really so important because that person, and you, and the thing is, is the junior should be challenging the coach. If they're feeling the coach is good. Like be vocal about yourself and discuss it with them. Have that discussion. Mm -hmm. Don't think that there's a hierarchy here. The coach is there is the facilitator to help you get to your dreams. Okay. Your parents are the Uber in the bank, right? But you're facilitating these people, these young people and your, your players to get to where they want to be. So it, it, it comes both ways. Like there has to be dialogue. If, if there's, if there's no dialogue, then you're only thinking I'm trying to do my best for them. But what if it's not, how do you know that they're not getting what you're throwing at them? Yeah, it's, it can be very tricky, especially when you're dealing with 13, 14, 15, 16 year olds who mm -hmm. sometimes have difficulty communicating exactly what they're feeling or even identifying what they're feeling themselves. Never mind communicating it to the coach. And, there is that presence online of, and I don't want to say snake oil salesman, but a little bit of that where it's a secret, something you've never seen, get you better in 10 minutes. And, and you know, it it's, can be challenging to not buy into that if you're struggling what you work on. And nicely complimenting the next question was really going to be your background is in developing juniors, which you've done to a great extent and, and very, very well. What are, what are some of those challenges that you encounter when working with junior players? And I presume kind of very nicely, that is one of them when you have a junior player you're working with. And at some stage, we both know there's peaks and throughs. So you're going to go mm -hmm. through that valley. And if they aren't communicating with you, or if you're hypothetically not communicating with them, not you personally, but as a coach, as one coach, is that one of those big areas that you find that you've, you know, encountered in your time that, you know, you have to be very aware of, or is there 100%. something else? Okay. No, no, no. You're bang on. Um, I mean, today's youth are, 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 you know, so influenced by this. Mm -hmm. Okay. A phone. I was talking. Uh, yeah. For those phone, listening exactly. on. It's, it's, for those. Oh, listen. Yes. They're yeah, on yeah. the phone. Sorry. I've held up my phone to the camera. Sorry. Yeah. Um, your phone. And, and I mean, I, I actually just said this story to, to one of my girls last night is I said, um, I was referring to her mom and I, when we when we were in high school, okay. We had to go to the library and find an encyclopedia Britannica to get the information that we wanted. Now, all they have to do is pick up the phone and type in six letters, Google, and they have all the answers right there in front of them. Now they even have AI stuff that'll write their papers for them. Fortunately, it won't be able to swing the golf club for them. But my point being is, is, like you have to understand what today's youth are doing in order to be able to communicate with them and be relevant. So um, I, I think that is a massive word in terms of being successful as a junior golf coach is you, if you're not, if you're not relevant to these juniors, they're just going to move on and find somebody that feels that is hearing them and listening to them. Mm -hmm. And, and that's why, you know, there's there, it's so important to find out who that person is. And I mean, and as a testament to the fact that, and you know this firsthand, it's why, like, I think because of that, and 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 if you were to ask my juniors, most of them know I would run through a brick wall for them to try and help them find a solution. I've, mm -hmm. I've sent swings to you because I trust yeah. you and you know these kids based on the fact that you've come down to March break. And what I love about that is I let you be you and then we talk afterwards. And the mm -hmm. great part about it is, is you see things in different ways than I do. And the really great part about it is you come across, the kids all just love you to death. 
you come across, you, you're, you, you know, you have my trust. And I'm like, if you see something you want to change, go ahead and talk to them about it. Right. Because mm-hmm. then you and I talk about, and you don't come across in such a crazy way that it's like totally revamping their swing. It's more like, Hey, you're moving like this. Let's talk about it. And I mean, Matt Lyons is a prime example, right? It's like mm-hmm. how he's, and, and, and it's really cool because his hips typically tight from, from hockey, doesn't allow him to, to, to turn much. So he was sliding. And like, this is one of the things I think as to be a successful junior golf coach, you need to have people like Steve Moore. You need to have people like Gareth Rafleski or Ann Carroll, or, you know, for that matter, Brad Ryle and a couple other coaches that I, that I have in my inner circle mm-hmm. um, that I can send, discuss Chris Dickinson for that matter. And, 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 and talk about, players and how to get them better because Mm -hmm. if you if you're you're trying to keep it all in here now right it's it's really hard because there's so much to do so you you know you can't you want to be able to outsource okay you know like club fittings or fitness right like i get being a tpi person right i have the concept of it i'm not a tpi person but i will send you to somebody who's a fitness person who has that total understanding of that because it's valuable Mm -hmm. Yes. Can I go take, you know, can I go take, you know, certification with Mark Bull and, and watch him perform his stuff and, and, and listen to some of the really cool things that, wow, I've, I've used both for adults and for juniors in terms of how he, you know, he sees the golf swing and, and it's like trying to educate yourself and, and, and then have that. So these kids know that there's always, they're always moving towards where they want to get. It's like, it's kind of like the Mount Everest analogy I've used multiple times where, you know, kid comes to me and says, I want to, I want to win the U S junior. Uh, okay. Or great. So that's like Mount Everest. I'm like, well, could we hop on a plane, hire a Sherpa, fly to Nepal, hire a Sherpa and go climb Mount Everest. Right They're like, uh, no, I said, right. Cause we die. We have no plan. <laughs> it wouldn't be good. Right. <laughs> it, well, yeah. It would not be good. Not be good. We don't have a coat. We don't have a coat. Don't yeah. have a plan. No boots, nothing. Anyways. I kind of say like, that's your Mount Everest. So, so, but what we got to do is we got to plan the route. We got to figure out how we're going to get there because, because invariably, you know, it's the need, it's the wants, not so much the needs. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's, 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 it's right. It's like, it's like, that's their want. Right. So, I mean, it's kind of neat because you got to ask those questions, right? What's the, what's the player's want. Right. And then, and then you have to say, well, okay, well, what do you need in order to help you accomplish this? And, and then what you do as the coach is you're, you facilitate and ask questions. Okay, so if we need to do this, how do you think we should do it, right? And the one, <laughs> I don't know about you, but the one answer I get from a junior, there's two answers I get from juniors that drive me up the wall. The one is, okay, that's their answer, okay. The second one, I don't know. I literally drives me up the wall. If I had hair, I'd probably pull it out. It, it, I, I look at them and I go, that's not acceptable. You do know you're just not telling me mm-hmm. because like, that's just an easy cop out. Right. So, but finding out what they, what they think they need to help them get to achieve their deals is, is part of the dialogue. It's part of, you know, finding out what makes these kids tick and, and, and game to understand it. And then mm-hmm. you got to plan it out because if you don't plan it out, all right, like my one kid played in 14 tournaments this year and he's, that was his first season playing tournaments. He was exhausted. Right. Mm-hmm. You got to plan it out because as these kids are hitting their, they're, they're in the middle of their, if they're in the middle of their, you know, puberty or whatever like this and you're, and you're, 
you're sending them out to play in a tournament every weekend. It's like writing exams every weekend where you're not able to study. Yeah. So it's, it's super important. So did I answer? I think I answered that question. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of got off on a tangent. (laughs) No, there's a whole ton in there. I think when I look back at what you just said, the one thing, a couple of things really stood out. One of those things being magnanimous enough as a coach and maybe that inner comfortableness or confidence as a coach that, hey, I don't know everything. But if I have a player in front of me and and my ethos really as a player in front of me is to do the best by that player. And so if to do the best by that player, I have to go and search information elsewhere or contact someone else to bring them in. Both of us are going to learn and the player at the end of the day is going to improve because of it. I think that's changing. I think coaches are being less afraid to to admit, hey, I might need somebody else here. And that's a really, really good thing. And then the fact that we're not going to change the world. It is what it is. Every single junior is going to have a phone. They're going to have Instagram. They're going to have TikTok. They're going to have threads, whatever it might be. And we're not going to get them not to do that. So as I really like what you said there about staying relevant. So can I put myself in those shoes a little bit more often and see, okay, maybe how do I understand it from their perspective? I'm not going to get them to put the phone down. So they're going to right. see this. So let's talk about it and, and open up those communications. So I think some really, really great, great points in terms of in terms of what you've just talked about. Um. We're going through the process right now. We're seeing a lot in in this last couple of weeks and probably will for the next couple of weeks of many signing days. So juniors committing to college and universities and and definitely something you've mentioned at the start that you've experienced for coaches, experienced players moving away for the first time, you know, so whether that be down the States or four or five hours out West East, whatever it might be, do you have any advice on how they can support their players? Not just technically, but you mentioned before nearly de facto step that, how do you or have you experienced helping your players both technically swing wise and emotionally when they make that leap and they travel away for the first time? That's a really good point because they don't want to call their parents and say that they're homesick. So they might, mm-hmm. you know, when they're talking to their swing coach and saying, oh, you know, I'm so frustrated that I'm not getting through and all that stuff. And it, it goes right to the relationship you have with these kids. Um, you know, I've had those conversations with four of them this year. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's new, right? Absolutely. And, and it goes right to this thing. I heard, I, I read this thing um, one day, and it was this young gentleman talking about how he was a 4.0 in high school. And when he got to college, he was failing after the first semester. He was in a 2.3. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what he realized was, is it's unmanageable time. Uh, see, when you're a kid at home, you know exactly what you're doing. You know where you sleep. When you wake up, go to school, come home, tournaments, practice, all that stuff's laid out for you. When you're in university, no one's sitting there with the schedule. They don't care if you go to class, right? They do, but they don't, right? You can sleep in. They will if you don't go enough times. (laughs) Exactly, right? But but it's realizing that you don't know how to manage your time because you've never you your time has been told like to you your whole entire life through from in childhood. And when you get to university, now it's like Hey, you have decisions and free will. Mm-hmm. The problem is the free will can catch up with you and bite you in the ass because, uh, you know, if you don't stick to the plan, things can grind out. And what happens is you think you should be playing golf all the time and that actually wears on you. And so mm-hmm. I've had a few of my players need to find external things outside of golf and friends and stuff 
in order to help them stay distracted enough. So they're not worrying so much about the golf. Cause they think I'm on the golf team. I got to be playing golf. I got to play well. I got to play all the time. No, no, no. You need to have school golf and then you need something to an outlet. Okay. You need to find something, pick a ball, whatever, um, you know, go to a movie. I don't know what it is, but I know that um, I know that Matt Caroline Tuttle in, at Florida, um, you know, Mateo, They've all had mm-hmm. things happen to them that make them realize they need to have outside sources because it's not just living at the golf course. It yes. wears you down. You're exhausted. Early morning workouts, da 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 And same with Nia Kelly at Kennesaw State in her second year and as a sophomore. Finding that outlet that's going to help them get better. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a super, super way for them to, um, you know, not feel like it's golf 100% all the time. Because that can be the narrative, so to speak, when you hear maybe from players that have been very successful and how often they worked. You, you don't hear how often they did take those breaks and how important it was to have that time away from the from the driving range. But it is the narrative, hey, you got to work hard at this. you got to be fully committed and so forth when you're going to college and exactly. university. 100%. 100%. Um, I couldn't agree with you more because it's like their idea is that's what they should be doing. But mm-hmm. in reality, if you're not healthy because you're not doing what you got to do, yeah, how is your golf going to be any good? It's not, right? Yeah, like it's, you know it's such, you... a, it's such yeah. a domino effect, right? Mm-hmm. Because like, because like, how can you study when you're you're feeling kind of like you're not being successful in golf, and so you like you think you should be playing more or practicing more, and that's not getting it done. And like you're exhausted, so you can't study. And it's like you don't have a social life because or you do have too much of a social life. Yeah. Right. It's it's such a fine balance. And I think that's a massive piece in the freshman sophomore thing is finding your finding your place and and, and getting into a, a, a rhythm and getting into a, a kind of a, a, a schedule that allows you to be successful across the board. And that takes time because, again, like I said. It's all been laid out for you before. And you may have been the, the absolute big man on campus or big girl on campus at your high school. And now you're just a player on the team. Often the ego yeah. takes a blow, right? So, well, I think really it, gets, quite, quite it gets tricky too, because one of the reasons you're there in the first place is for golf. And so sometimes no, 100%. the identity of who I am can get very, very closely related to the golf. And I think what you're saying is you need to have a look at the person first. So get right with the person and give the person mm-hmm. time to settle in as a human being in a new environment, a new place, new friends, new people, and then look after the golf stuff. And sometimes they kind of get a little bit mixed up. Oh, the priorities get mixed up, man, because you're yeah. there and you get it's right in the fall season. Right. So you want to yeah. go. Right. And it's it's it is such a, a big thing. It's mm-hmm. it's so, 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 so strong um, for sure. Yeah. Hey, Doug, can we thank can you? We, oh, I was going to say, <laughs> sorry. You're <laughs> good, man. I know, I, I know, I know, I know you got to head off. Yeah. So um, I just want to say thanks very much. Um, it's absolutely always a pleasure to talk to you, whether that be on Zoom, on podcasts, in person, on phone, whatever. Uh, very excited about hopefully joining you next year um, in March down with and seeing those kids again. Um, mm-hmm. You do a great job. You're so helpful to all other coaches that not even Nolan, but anybody else that ever asks you for advice. You're so generous with your time. Um, really, really appreciate it as always. And we'll talk to you again soon. Steve, um, you're a good friend. 
I, I, I cherish our relationship and the fact that uh, love having you around all my kids. Uh, like I told you, they love you to death. Um, and again, it's it's an honor to be here uh, on your pod, and uh, I, I can't thank you enough. And I look forward to uh, seeing you soon. First ever returning guest. There you go. <laughs> we got one. <laughs> you got one. Thanks, man. Have right, a good day. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, bye. All right, everyone. So that wraps up another episode. Massive thank you to my good friend Doug Laurie for coming on the show. You can follow Doug on the socials under the username at Focus Golf Group. And I really encourage you to do so. There's some great learning in there, especially if your focus is in and around junior golf. Big thank you to you, the listener out there, as without you listening and downloading these podcasts, there honestly wouldn't be a show. I really appreciate the support and the feedback. And just a reminder, if you do enjoy it, please make sure to rate the show on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. As always, if you want to work with myself, either in person or online, through the Skills platform, or indeed have any questions on golf or the podcast, you can contact me on Instagram at stevemoregolf or through the website stevemoregolf.com. Finally, for your own game, don't forget, work hard, work diligently, but most importantly, work smart. And we'll talk to you again soon. Take care.